One more time, let's just give a victory shout in this place for a wonderful Savior. I want to take a moment to welcome our audience, wherever you may be tuning in today, whether it's through our website or whether it's through Facebook Live. We're glad to have you. Let's all just wave very quickly to our online audience, our viewers today. We're glad to have you. Wave right back to us. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to encourage everyone to follow along uh, today in today's notes on the YouVersion Bible app. Just go to the events section and look up Linked Up Church. All the notes will be right there. I want you to love on at least one person a day. Let them know that you are glad to see them. Give them a big hug. Give them the best smile that you can give them. Find a way to cheer up their day. Praise God. If you all would, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Uh, my goal today is just to let the Word of God do all the work. Uh, really, because the Word has so much truth in it, I mean, you know, we don't need to add anything to it. It'll do all the work by itself. So we're going to look at this story today uh, from a little different perspective. You know, every time you study it, you can find something different. Every time you study, you can get a little different revelation. And so we know that without question, the suffering of Christ leading up to and including the crucifixion was terrible. We all understand that. The beatings that he endured, which, much, which obviously were excruciatingly painful. I don't think any of us, had we known that that was what, what was on the back end of what God was calling us to do, how many of us would have still gone? Most of us would not have. We know that he was nailed to a tree. We know that Jesus was willing to bear all of that without any form of relief. We know that this was a shameful way to die. He was mocked by some. He was crucified along with thieves. We know that there's a place for contemplating upon the physical passion that Jesus endured. But I want to show you all something. While he was going through what he was going through physically, he actually had something else on his heart. Let's read the text here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. And let's read verses 26 through 31. I believe you'll get something out of this today that will be a great blessing to your heart and to your life. Notice what it says here. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on his way, they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Of course, they could look at Jesus and see that physically, because of the beating that he endured all night, he would not be able to handle carrying that cross the entire journey. So this man was chosen. Most believe he was a, a Jewish pilgrim who was coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. Scripture goes on to say, And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. And so... What you see here are a great crowd of people following him, and then you see a large group of women that are wailing, they are crying, they are ripping their clothes, they're crying out. This is a horrible moment for them to see their Savior walking along this road. And notice Jesus here. This is really, when I saw this, this blessed me so much. The great multitude of people that followed him, the women also mourned and they lamented him. Watch this, but Jesus. Somebody say, but Jesus. 
You know, anytime you see the word but, how many know it cancels out everything else that, that we were focusing on up until that moment? So what he's literally trying to do is shift their focus off of what he's physically going through onto something else. Now pay attention here. Watch what he says here. But Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. This referring to the coming destruction that was coming to Jerusalem because of their rejection of him as their Messiah. He said in verse 31, for if you do these things in the green wood, or in other words, why I'm present, then what will be done in the dry when I'm gone? You'll also notice if you'll drop down to verse 34, his concern for others was completely evident. Again, if you think about normal human nature, when we're going through a tough time, what do we care about? Ourselves. So he's going through the roughest, toughest time of his life, and he's more concerned about other people than he is himself. Look at verse 34. proves that. It's evident. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments, and they cast lots. And so I believe the significance and lessons to be learned from the suffering of Jesus should go far beyond feeling sorry for what he endured. And I want to tell you why. Because he literally said to them, don't weep for me. He said, weep for yourselves. So clearly there was something he had on his mind that was far beyond what he was going through at that moment. And I think, that, I think that's what he wants on our minds as we continue to live and go forward. So we should be challenged then to live out what his passion means to us today. How many know his passion wasn't that cross? His passion was us as his people. That's what drove him to that cross. People have fought for centuries about who killed him. Well, let me tell you, I have the answer to who killed him. Does anybody want to know who killed Jesus? I know sin is who killed Jesus because he hated it so much it had to be killed. Let's look at that today. There are four key areas I want to focus on, and of course, that's the first one. That was his main priority for going through the awful crucifixion was that he could kill and destroy sin. So let's look at four key areas. The first is the condemnation of sin. Jesus suffered because of sin. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This was foretold that he died for our sins. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. It says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So why did he die? It's okay to talk to me. Actually, it'll help me a little bit. Why did he die? What is the main purpose of his death? For our sins, right? Let's not forget that because I, I'm getting ready to go somewhere with that. Go to Isaiah chapter 53. Notice he said, for our sins according to the Scriptures. Well, what Scriptures? It had to be foretold somewhere. Go to Isaiah chapter 53. When you get there, say amen. Look at verses 5 and 6. It says, but he was wounded 
for our transgressions. Transgressions there is better translated as rebellion and sin. How many know we were all a rebellious people prior to salvation? Or was I the only one a rebellious person? Anyone else in here? Matter of fact, I was so rebellious, my rebellion was rebellious. Anybody else in here willing to say and agree with that? So, so notice, he was wounded for our rebellion and our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity, our evil, our faults, our perversity, our mischief. It was the punishment of it. The chastisement of our peace, our shalom, our wholeness, our safety, our well, welfare, our health, and our prosperity was put upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. But notice verse 6. And like sheep, we have all gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Somebody ought to thank God that he laid it on him and not on us. Because I don't think any of us could have endured what he went through in that crucifixion. And so it was in the heart of the Father and the will of the Father to lay it on his son and not on us. I don't know about you, but if that doesn't motivate you to live right for the rest of your life, I don't know what else can motivate you. He bore our sins on that cross. So important to him. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Notice how Galatians describes this. He gave himself for our sins. Galatians chapter 1, 4 says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So he gave himself for our sins to deliver us, which means then we are delivered from our sins. Okay? We are delivered from our sins. Then notice 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He bore our sins on the cross. Every one of your sins, past, present, and future, was nailed to that cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body, bore means to carry on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. Now, how many know we can't be dead to sin and live to righteousness at the same time. We've got to be one or the other. So we are alive to righteousness. I mean, no sin is in our past. We are no longer slaves to sin. Slave, sin has no control, no authority over a true believer's life. You can walk away from it at any time that you choose to because it was nailed to the cross and he carried it in his body. Notice it says, and then by whose stripes you were healed. So Isaiah looking prophetically, which we all know was looking to the cross. But here Peter is looking back at the cross, and he's saying that since he carries, so sin must have something to do with sickness, disease, and death. Because you see this running together. So notice, since he said he carried sin in his body, one of the reasons that he carried it in his body was so that we'd never have it anymore, watch this, and that we would live all of our days healed. So if you have any element of sickness or disease in your body today, you didn't come here to get healed. I want to give you a revelation. He healed you over 2,000 years ago. You just came here to walk in what he already provided for you. Somebody ought to lift their hands and just receive that right now. And that's just not physical healing. That's mental healing, emotional healing. That's shalom, folks. That's every aspect of your life 
He carried that, and he bore that so that you could be well, not just today, but every single day of your life. Somebody thank God that we have prosperity, spirit, soul, and body, 24 hours a day. Watch this, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Somebody ought to get excited about that. Come on, you're not going under. You're going over because of what he did for you. But sometimes it requires us going down in order to get back up. Come on, folks. How many of you know they thought it was over when he hung on that cross? But it wasn't over. All you've got to do is keep standing on what he did for you. And you're going to get up victorious just like he did because he paid the price for you to do that. Jesus killed sin. Somebody say he killed sin. He killed it, folks. I want to show it to you in the Word. Go to Romans chapter 8. He condemned sin in the flesh through his death. Jesus killed sin. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, or in other words, as a result of or for the purpose of sin, he condemned, he judged against, he sentenced, and he damned sin in the flesh. Folks, he killed it. I, I'll be working on this for several weeks. How I many know when God kills something, it cannot come back to life? So if anyone is a believer who's struggling with sin, it's because they want to, not because they have to. Because he didn't just cover it anymore. He killed it. And he destroyed it. And it has no more power in our lives. Somebody ought to thank God for that right there. Why did he do that, folks? Why would he kill sin if he wasn't trying to make it possible for us to live a life free of sin? So that's kind of hard for us to get our minds around. I want to say it again. Why would he kill it if he was not trying to make it possible for us to live a life free from it? You can live your whole life free from it. Does anybody believe that in this room today? Two people. Five people. Come on, we're making the devil mad in here today. Let, let me prove it to you. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. When you get there, say amen. Notice in verse 1, he says, So we continue in sin so that grace may abound. What's those next two words? Certainly not. God forbid. See, it's a lie from the pit of hell when somebody tells you because God is good, you, you don't worry about what you're doing wrong. Or because God is rich in grace, you can just live however you want to live. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm telling you, what he's saying is, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? King James Version says, God forbid. And look what he goes on to say here in verse 3. Or do you not know, and this is talking about salvation, folks. I will be convincing the church over the next several weeks after resurrection, folks, that listen. Man, I don't know any other way to say it. That at the moment you became saved, sin was killed in your life. And it's not a process of being delivered from sin. It's a belief that I, may, I am delivered from sin. 
Watch this. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter 6. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? He's not talking about water baptism here, folks. He's talking about the moment a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they are baptized into the body of Christ. Nowhere in this context will you see water. That's how we know context is king. That's how we know it's not talking about water baptism. Look what he goes on to say. There are other key words in here to give us insight into that. He says, as many as us that were baptized, we were baptized into Jesus Christ or was baptized into his death. Therefore, or as a result of, we were buried with him, watch this now, through baptism into his death. So that just how Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Well, what does that look like? If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Watch this. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. That should bring so much comfort to somebody's heart in here today. Folks, if, if that wasn't what this was all about, we are not sinners struggling to live right. or We're not Christians struggling to try to live right. We are Christians who have overcome sin. And the devil is under our feet. Come on, somebody. And he is on the run. We're not concerned about him. He's more concerned about us than we are about him. Come on. You've got the victory over everything in your life that does not look like God. Come on. You've got victory over poverty. You've got victory over sickness. You've got victory over death. Come on. Act like what he made you. And let's begin to live in the authority and freedom of this that he's provided for. Say it by faith. Say, I am no longer, not even close to, a slave to sin. I'm not trying to get free. I'm 100% free right now. Somebody give the devil a black eye in this place. Come on. 100%, folks. Why did he do it? See, he wouldn't have killed it if his desire for us was not to no longer live in it. You've got to get a revelation of that. And I'm going to continue to talk about that until it's so clear in this church. We are not struggling with sin. Stop that. You see a real believer struggling with sin, it's simply because they want to. Or they don't have a revelation of what he's done for them. But we're going to make sure both of those are covered. Number two, he wanted to give us a revelation of his love. Jesus suffered because of love. You know, he went to that cross because of love. And let's prove that from the word. The love of the Father for a lost world. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he had to do something about it. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting zoe. What is that? Life the way God intended it to be lived. Well, what, what is the number one way he intended life to be lived for a believer without sin? Because sin is the problem. So he had to deal with the problem. Okay? Let's look at it another way. 
Go with me to Ephesians chapter, what? go to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at that one too. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. He modeled it. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I thank God for that. I like to read that verse this way. While we were at his worst, at our worst, he was at his best. I want you to think about it. We need to treat people the same way he treated us. So often we look at people and all we can see is where they're at instead of seeing them the way he sees them. See, and that's when they need the most love is when they're at their worst. And I think God needs us to show people what his love looks like. Let's look at the love of the son. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. So it was the love of the father, and it was the love of the son. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, And walk in love, referring to us, as Christ also loved us, and he gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Notice this smelled good. It was the best perfume cologne that could come up in God's nostrils was the sacrifice of his son. Jesus said it this way. He said, this is how I showed you I loved you because I gave myself up for you. So now we're talking about sacrifice. See, if you're married in here, it's not real love unless it has some level of sacrifice to it. See, how many of y'all believe you have a best friend or close friends? Let me tell you, the level of that depends on how much are they willing to sacrifice for you. See, you're only going to find out how real that, that friendship is when, they, when you need them. What you'll find is most people are not willing to inconvenience themselves to help you. But Jesus said, I'm more than willing to inconvenience myself. Watch this, because I love you. So there have been a few times we just had to locate, because we thought a relationship was at a certain place. I mean, the only way to know what place it's at is when you need something. Then you'll see how much another person is willing to inconvenience themselves. But usually it goes this way. They want you to inconvenience yourself when they need you. And it'll end the friendship when you can't do something. Watch this. They think you should do for them when they're going through a tough time. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. I want to help you all understand something. That's not the love he's referring to here. We're going to look like love when we're willing to sacrifice for each other. Which means, folks, when we get that warehouse and I've got multiple refrigerators in my house, I don't need all of these refrigerators. Come on, I look in my closet and I got shoes for days, shoes I haven't worn for years, gently used. I mean, that's love. Come on, somebody. Somebody walk in the door and they need help, we don't judge them. We sacrifice for them. Well, they might just be using you. That's between them and God. You can't use a true believer. Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. You, you can't use me because I sowed it as seed. So we're looking at the love of the Father and the love of the Son that drove Jesus to that cross. Jesus demonstrated what true love is. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 
See, this helped us understand the meaning of true love. 1 John 3.16. Thank you, baby. That baby said, yes, that's good. 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love. By what? Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Can you all see that? See, again, we've got to get past my little issues. And we have to start thinking about what is somebody else going through. And God, how do you want to use me to help them? Because what you'll learn from that is when you allow God to use you to help someone else, you literally just helped yourself. And I'm talking about when you were at your worst, when you didn't make it about you, but you made it about somebody else, then God sent somebody in your life to make it about you who can do for you what you can't do for yourself because you did for someone else what they couldn't do for themselves. Come on, somebody shout glory in this place. So we understand the meaning of true love. His love serves as a pattern for our love. Go to John chapter 13. This is going to help me love my wife better. It's going to help me love my children better. It's going to help me love this staff better. It's going to help me love this congregation better. Because you have to love with no expectation of what somebody else can do for you. If you go into it only looking at it, can I possibly get this back, you're going to miss all the goodness that God wanted to bring into your life. You've got to look for people who need you at their lowest points in their lives. Don't run from them. Don't talk from them. Don't talk about them. Find out what God wants to do. But you don't understand what I'm going through right now. That's how God is actually trying to help you. He's trying to get you out of yourself. He's trying to kill selfishness in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lays down his life for his what? Friend. Love serves as a pattern for our love. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another how as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this shall all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Folks, I'm telling you, there's something happening in me. I don't believe the world doesn't want to come to church because they don't believe in Jesus. I believe they're struggling with church because of how the church treats itself. And I'm talking about the secret societies and private meetings and to get together to talk about. Come on, somebody. We've got to kill all of that in this church. Let me try this side over here. I said we've got to kill all of that in this church. Right? Because nobody in here is greater than anybody else. And the reality is if we pull the wool back, we'll see a whole lot in your life that you don't want nobody to see. Let me try this side over here again. Maybe I get a little bit more support over here, right? So we've got to kill all of that, folks. Keep our mouths off. Watch this and put our love on. Because that's why he went to that cross. He wanted to redeem the world. Let me come on down the home stretch. He went to that cross because he wanted to redeem the world. Jesus suffered for everyone. And God desires that all men be saved. Folks, if it's a church, one of its primary missions should be the saving of souls. 
First Timothy chapter 2, 3 through 6, we know that uh, for this is good and acceptable, praying for kings and for all that are in authority, so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life. See, that's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and what? Come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself as the full payment for all people. And never think anyone is beyond being saved. Because I'm sure people looked at me one day and said, if God can save him, I know there's a God in heaven. Come on, they looked at you the exact same way because they knew you win, right? And so remember, if God gave you a chance, let's give other people a chance too. Let's look at everyone as a candidate for salvation because you just never know the one that God helped you to pull up. God may use that same person to pull you up someday. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Hallelujah best things we have in our lives are from people who everybody else gave up on. I know a lot of people looked at the guests we brought in last week. You might look at his physical appearance. You might say, ah, he doesn't look like us. Doesn't mean anything to me. I don't seem the way he looks right now. I see him the way he can look, with the proper love and support, and rebuilding. Come on, somebody. Oh, we got to grow, church. We got to grow. We got to grow, church. It's about all people. If we don't reach out and help people, then who will? We, we can't write anybody off because he could have wrote you off, and he didn't. It always crushes my heart to hear people lo looking down on other people because of where they're at in that moment. Just watch them three years from now. Just like just watch you three years from now. Come on, you're not going to be where you're at right now three years from now. But watch this. The only way you're going to get there is somebody has to help you. So he wanted to redeem the world. And let's close with the inspiration of sacrifice. You can read all these other verses. They're right there in the Version app. But he was inspired by sacrifice. And Jesus provided the example. Go to Philippians chapter 2 and we'll just look at one. Let's look at the attitude of humility. I'm a changed man linked up church. And I thank God for it. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. So in other words, whenever you do something, don't make it about you. See, we're talking about sacrifice because isn't that what Jesus was all about? It wasn't about him, was it? It was about us. And see, that's what these ushers are doing here today. That's what the gentleman working that camera is doing today. That's what anyone volunteering their time today, that's what that usher is doing today. That's what that praise team is up there doing today. That's what musicians are up there doing. What they're saying is it's not about me. But it's about the hundreds of people that will be watching online and the hundred, hundred or so people that will be physically in that building. 
I have to do this today for them. See all those people in those red shirts? They made it about you today. We ought to thank God for them. I said we ought to thank God for them. I said we ought to thank God for them. I'm going to show you what sacrifice looks like. This church will never grow until we get the spirit of sacrifice that our Savior had. And to get that, you've got to get out of yourself. Look at what he said. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. See, when you look down on other people, you're telling us more about you than you are the other person you're looking down on. See, that's more about how you see yourself, not how you see the other person. See, that's all talking about other people is. I'm seeing you through the lenses of my own heart. And folks, listen, my goal is to kill that at Linked Up Church. Right? Because it's not the sacrifice of our Savior. It's not what he died for, for us to look down on other people. Come look at our new building. The only reason he's given us that building is to serve more people. And we ought to save the best seats for the people who we think don't deserve them. They need to be sitting right up there in the front, right off the street to the front row. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not on the things of your own interest, but also on the interests of others. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God didn't think it was a robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself. Notice this is something no one can do for you. You have to humble yourself. But he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient even to the point of death, which was the death of the cross. And so, folks, when I think about Dream Team at Linked Up Church, I'm thinking about a group of people who care more about others than they do themselves. I'm thinking about people who wake up on Sunday morning and they're saying, I'm not going to get what I can get out of this. Of course, I want to receive, but I'm going to make sure someone else gets what they need this morning. Those are people that get there early and pray for those souls that are coming. Pray for those visitors that are there. They'll be on their post because their motivation is greater than themselves. You don't see them playing games and doing all because it means something to them to get there so that another life can be impacted. And when they see those souls come down to the altar, they know that their contribution and their supply of the spirit and their sacrifice contributed to those souls that were changed on that day. I just want to take a moment to thank God for the best dream team in the United States of America. Best ministry of help is right here at Linked Up Church. There are other verses I want you to go and read at your own leisure. Let's close right here with some, just some things to think about, a few thoughts. The passion of Christ was about the condemnation of sin, the judgment of it, the full price and payment. For sin. Folks, he killed sin. And I want you to understand that. It no longer has any effect on a true believer's life. His passion was about revealing his love and showing us how to love each other through his example. 
His passion was about redeeming a lost and dying world. You'll see all of our purposes right in his passions. That's what God's called this church to do. And his passion was the inspiration of sacrifice. And so, have you taken advantage of what his passion means to you? I want to throw some challenging questions, whether you're watching online today or whether you're sitting in this building. I want to throw some challenging questions out to you today. Have you been crucified with Christ? Have you allowed that crucifixion to manifest in your body where sin no longer has an effect because that's the ultimate price that was paid? Or are we still living both ways? Let's make a decision today to walk in the fullness of what he provided for us. Are you putting to death the deeds of the flesh daily? Now, if your flesh is like mine, I have to crucify my flesh daily because my flesh has a short memory. Doesn't remember the victory we had yesterday. It wakes up today wanting to do something against the victory we had yesterday. So we've got to crucify it daily. Are you growing in love? See, if you think about the first one, you know, that that's connecting to God. See, if you're growing in love and crucifying your flesh daily, how I many of that's small groups? That's done with other people, holding each other accountable. All of that's right here at LinkedIn Church. Are you concerned and are you doing something about the redemption of the world? I mean, that's purpose right there. That's one of the purposes why he saved you, so that he could use your life to save other people. And then finally, are you inspired in your service for other believers and the lost? That's called dream team, folks. At some point, I've got to progress in my salvation to the point where I get to a place where it's not about me anymore, but it's about the people that God wants to use all my gifts, talents, and graces to impact. And we've got it all right here for you at LinkedIn. Did you all get anything out of this today? Praise God. Let's just lift our hands.